to, um, amen. Let's go to Luke, the eighth chapter. Luke chapter eight. Luke chapter eight and um, verse 41. Luke eight and um, 41. Praise God. Amen. So we're going to continue our study tonight on, um, on the subject of faith. Um, we've been talking about faith matics, the, the, the study of faith, becoming a faithmetician, uh, someone who has become skilled and experienced uh, in faith uh, and has the ability to solve otherwise impossible life problems. And I am really excited about this series, or at least this branch of this series, um, because I'm, I'm learning some things and seeing some things in some familiar stories um, that I've never learned or, or seen before. And so I ask that, um, as always, you just agree with me in faith that the Lord is going to reveal some important things and important truths to us that'll make a difference in our lives. Amen? All right, so Luke chapter 8, and let's begin in verse 41. It says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Man, that's, that's a long time to be sick with the same incurable disease. Notice she had been sick as long as a little girl had been alive. This woman who had been sick for all these years came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Immediately. I like that word. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? Now, to give you some idea of what's going on here, there are so many people trying to force and push their way into Jesus to, to get a hand or have some kind of contact with him that it, it's literally potentially suffocating. That's, that's what this word means, the, the press and the throng. But Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Let me stop here for a moment. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm not trying to hype this. I'm just asking you tonight. Let's, let's open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit and let Him show us some things that we've never seen before, okay? I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I'm so excited. I, I, I want to I just, I 
want to point something out to you before we even really get through reading the text. This woman did not ask for healing. She did not ask Jesus to heal her. And she didn't ask permission to take it. Now, I'm being silly for a reason. It'd be like Jesus in that crowd and him feeling somebody slide his wallet out of his back pocket. And the Lord, somebody just took something from him that was his, that, that he had, in other words. And he asked, Who touched me? And they're like, Is he kidding? You know, there's probably been 700 people touched you, Jesus, in just the last five minutes. But he said, no, somebody touched me because I felt the healing go out of my wallet. I felt the healing leave me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Now, if you understand Moses' law, someone who had a bleeding disorder like this was considered to be unclean. And because she was unclean, this prevented her from being able to participate in certain things and certain like for instance, she wasn't allowed to go into the to the to the synagogue, the temple to worship. She wasn't allowed to go into public unless she experienced the embarrassment of telling everybody that she was unclean for them to keep a distance. And by the way, these things carried with them some pretty severe punishments, pretty serious penalties here. Now we know from other places in, in the other Gospels, you know, we have, as is the case with, you know, miracles and, and things that were recorded by the different gospel writers. We have some details in Matthew and Mark that we don't have in Luke and vice versa. Um, we know that, that this was something that, that she had said within herself that if only she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And it's in the Greek, the verbs are in the imperfect tense, which meant it was something she said continuously. So this wasn't a spur-of-the-moment thing for her. Words, this was something that, that had been growing and building and developing in her heart, and now was this opportunity. Now Jesus was passing by, and she had the opportunity to slip up behind Him and touch the hem of His garments. Only one problem... The church police was standing next to Jesus, the ruler of the synagogue. 
I mean, let's say you're fixing to do something, you know, uh, that's uh, just bending or breaking a rule. You know, you're in school and you're about to bend or break a rule and then all of a sudden there's the principal standing in the hallway. It's like, well, maybe I'll do that later, you know what I'm saying? So here this woman, I, I, again, there's some dynamics going on here. You know, she was going to slip up there, and, and, but now it's not just trying to sneak, slip up there and touch the hem of his garment. It's the one man, the ruler of the synagogue, right, that um, was right there, but yet she was undeterred. And so Jesus turned around and said, Who told you you could take some healing? Is that what he said? No. Who'd you ask for that? You know, like a little kid sitting on the sofa eating a cookie and the mama coming up saying, who told you you could have a cookie, right? No, Jesus said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. What made her well? Her faith, he said, made her well. Now, a comment was made in class tonight that I agree with 100%. Jesus was very humble, but Jesus isn't being humble here. And it's not like I really did it, but I'm trying to emphasize faith. No, Jesus was simply a contact point from which healing was administered to her. Let me, let me try to say it to you another way. Not that he was in any way opposed to it, but Jesus did not choose to heal this woman. He did not decide to heal this woman, at least not right there on the streets. She actually tapped into something that had already been decided a long time ago. She didn't even have to ask him. Now, I know we have the two um, examples in the Scriptures that Jesus identified as the greatest faith. This lady's got to be a close second. Come on now. I mean, this is some impressive faith on display here. Now, there's something that the Holy Spirit has been breathing on and emphasizing in, in, in this portion of our study, and I want to I go back to it tonight and use this account to further make some points. And that is the difference between general faith and specific faith. Or a faith that could be considered like universal. And what I mean by universal is, is, is like you know, something that's commonly believed and, and commonly uh, thought of you know, by a majority of people. So you've got faith that would qualify as general and or universal 
But then you've got faith that is specific and personal. And when the Lord first began to show us this, it was with a little boy that that uh, his dad brought him to the disciples for the disciples to cast a demon out of him. And the disciples believed that demons can be cast out by the power and authority that Jesus gave them. They witnessed it, as we've already said. They, they witnessed Jesus doing it. They witnessed um, others doing it that, that they even told on. Like, Jesus, there's people casting demons out in your name and you've got to tell them to stop. And Jesus said, no. If, if, if they're not against us, they're, they're for us. Don't stop them. They personally had done it. So the, the point I'm trying to make is, and this is, I think, what was so baffling for them, and I'm sure some of you have, have experienced these same kind of, of, of baffling moments. They believed in demons being cast out before they met the little boy. They believed in demons being cast out while they were trying to cast the demon out of the little boy. And they believed in demons being cast out afterwards. In other words, their faith in demons being cast out by the name of Jesus, it, 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 never, it never wavered. And so they come to Jesus wanting to know why they couldn't cast it out. Jesus said, because of your unbelief. And they're like, I believe they were expecting any answer other than that one. Okay? But again, what we have here is the difference between a general slash universal belief versus a specific and personal one. While their belief in, and faith in the ability to cast out demons never changed, where their unbelief became a factor and, and therefore did not produce results was their belief in their ability to cast the demon out of that specific little boy. In other words, it wasn't universal, it was specific. It wasn't, yeah, all demons are subject to us in your name. It was that specific demon, right? So specific and personal. Did I lose you on that? This is why people say my, 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 my friend, my relative, my whatever, um, th they died and they, they believed in healing all the way to their last breath. And I've, I've known folks like, like that. And so you think, well, so then we come up with all these crazy doctrines. So it must not be God's will to heal, blah, 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 blah. And no, there's a difference between I believe that God can heal, I believe that God will heal, I believe that God does heal, I believe that God has healed versus God has already healed me. See, now we're getting, we're getting specific and personal. Okay, are you still with me? I want to try to relate to you a conversation that I had with someone now um, it would be over 30 years ago this was a young couple that Pam and I were uh, good friends with and um, we were uh, we you know we do things together and and many times when we were together we would talk about the word and study the word and and um, this particular uh, brother, um, he, he had, I'm saying brother in the Lord uh, for me, this, this, this gentleman that I was have these conversations with, had this conversation with, he had a biological brother that didn't believe in God and thought our belief in supernatural in general, but also healing in particular, was ridiculous. 
And he was really putting pressure on my friend. His brother was really putting pressure on him about his beliefs. And, and so he was bringing some of those questions to me. He's like, look, I, I, know, I know that he's not right, but how do, I, you know, how do we answer this? How do, what do I say to him? Not because he was even trying to argue with his brother, but he was wanting his brother to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know? And so like, one of the things his brother said was that, you know, that and not only was my friend a hypocrite, but I was a hypocrite if we say we believe in healing and have health insurance. It was like, I mean, it was just kind of that, anyway. And um, I'm like, well, you know, first of all, it's offered to me on my job. Second of all, Pam and I, we hadn't had any children yet, but we're going to have kids one day, and it costs a lot of money to have kids. It's just a good thing to have health insurance. But that doesn't, in, in my heart, that didn't conflict at all with my belief that in healing, in, in, in divine healing, and God healing people, right? And so that was kind of the, the, the tone of the conversation and just as we were going back and forth. And I'll never forget it. You know, sometimes I wish I could tell you I remember every conversation I've had for the last, you know, 50 years this vividly. But this is one, matter of fact, more than probably, probably any conversation I had with him, this conversation, um, it, it's, it's been a a factor in, in my thinking now for years. And, and, and so the conversation went something like this. He said, you know, Mark, he said, um, I probably should be more diligent in, in believing God for healing, like for things like colds or headaches and that sort of thing. He said, he said I, I don't do that. But now here's the, here's the statement that he made. He said, but I know that if there ever came something really serious or even terminal that I could believe God for healing. And I remember thinking, you know, part of me says that's right, but part of me says, no, it's not right. And I know now, looking back on that, he was being deceived by confusing a general faith in a God who can do anything, and certainly it is his, his you know, can heal people. He was confusing that general faith with specific faith. Right? See, a headache is a, is a specific thing. Come on now. <laughs> a cold is a personal thing. It's a specific thing. And so now we need specific faith. We, we need personal faith. Not to mention the Bible teaches that we grow from faith to faith. You need to get Matt to tell you some stories about him laying hands on his dogs, his pets, his... Right? You, you follow what I'm saying? In other words, we gotta, we gotta learn this somehow. But we're deceiving ourselves if, if we think we can believe for healing in some 
huge, you know, life-threatening situation, but can't be bothered to believe God, you know, if our hip's hurting us. Amen. So, again, what we're talking about now is the difference between something that's general versus something that's specific, something that's universal versus something that's personal. And, and so we've got to recognize this, amen, but also I believe we've got to understand how do we take it from general to specific? How do we take it from universal to personal? Because we, we, it's very easy to talk about in any area what we believe until it's time to walk that out. Are you following me? And I think this, perhaps even more than some of the other applications, is dealing with what James was saying, that faith without a corresponding action is dead. We talk all we want to about what we believe, but, but what, what are we doing to, to put these things into practice in our lives? So once again, we have a situation where a multitude of people you know, are thronging Jesus. Well, you know, he's, he's not the latest pop star. You understand what I'm saying? He, he didn't just write a, a hit record. Why are they trying to get to him? Why are they trying to... And, and I don't... I don't want to use the word touch lightly, but again, why were they trying to touch him? It's because of the healings and the miracles. And so you've got all these folks just, I mean, if you can imagine just this, it's, it's almost like chaos around him. People trying to push through and just, you know, just get a hand on him or, or, or what have you. Not because they wanted to like, you know, scream like a little, you know, female teenager and say, I'll never wash this hand again. No, it, they were thinking that, you know, if they could touch him, maybe he would heal them. Right? So when I say touch in that respect, I'll, in my notes I actually did this. I put little quotation marks there because it's not really a touch. In other words, in other words, a true touch is, is one of specific personal faith. Specific personal faith touches him. General faith throngs him and goes away feeling unlucky or, see, I told you there wasn't nothing to all that. Goes away still sick goes away disappointed. So, at the heart of Jesus' popularity, I wish I could tell you it was because of His teachings, but remember, you know, <laughs> the crowds came to hear Him teach, but, but I think in some cases they would just endure the teaching so they could get to the healing part. So a general belief led many 
people to put a hand on Jesus that day. But none of them received healing or a miracle. Compare this then to the woman with the issue of blood. She touched Him. Not thronged Him. She touched Him. She touched Jesus by faith. And her faith was specific and it was personal. Okay? Now, let me refer you, and I'll put it up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 21 Matthew's account of this. For she said to herself. Now we know that faith is released by speaking. So she's not just trying to talk herself into this, but she's releasing her faith by what she's saying. And faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So as she's saying this, she is building her faith, strengthening her faith, reinforcing her faith. If only I may touch His garment, I shall be made well. From my notes, receiving this miracle powerfully demonstrates the difference between general faith and specific personal faith. The crowds that thronged Jesus believed He could heal. Many of them had seen Him do it before, so they thronged Him to see if touching Jesus might do something for them or to them. The woman with the issue of blood said, and so we know what she believed, because again, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what she's saying is what she's believing. What she's believing is what she's saying. The woman with the issue of, of blood said, because she believed, if only I may touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. Do you see the difference? Her faith was not general or universal, but her faith was specific, personal, and I might add certain. Now, let's, let's dig in this a little deeper. You okay? Let's start with the first two words in her confession. If only. Okay? If only. I believe only is a key word here. It indicates the only thing needed for her to receive healing is for her to touch the hem of his garment. Only indicates, in other words, using this word only, only indicates she believed nothing else needed to be done by Jesus or her for her to be healed. That's key right there. That's key right there. Her faith had come to this place that the only thing that needed to be done for her to receive healing was for her to touch Him. H-I-M and H-E-M. Him's Him, right? His Him. If only, using that expression... This means all other requirements were met and in place, all other questions were settled, and nothing else was muddying the waters. It was all crystal clear to her. 
Now, notice that she ascribed no ifs to Jesus. She ascribed no ifs to Jesus such as if he can, if he will, if he's ready. Okay? Now, those three things cover three areas the devil uses to produce a whole lot, generate a whole lot of doubt and unbelief in people's minds and hearts where these things are concerned. Some people aren't sure Jesus can do it. Most born-again people who believe God, love God, believe the Bible, they believe God can. They believe, oh man, God's God. He can do anything. He created. He this. He that. And so again, now notice, that's good believing, but that's still a general belief. But, but they believe, generally speaking, that God can. Okay? You still with me? All right. Now, this is where a lot of people, though, that believe God can, they believe He's able, they're, they're not convinced it's His will or that He's willing to do it. God can do it, but we don't know if He's willing to do it, right? So notice now, if God is willing, if Jesus is willing, if God, if, in other words, if she's not sure if He can or not, that's doubt. If she's not sure if He's willing or not, that's doubt, right? A lot of people put a hand on Jesus that day that believed he could heal. They just didn't know if he would heal them. And they didn't receive a thing. Maybe some sore feet from people getting, you know, stomping all over them. These folks had sandals on. I don't know if they make steel toe sandals, but amen. But then you've got folks who say, well, I, I believe that God can. I believe that it's his will. But we're not sure he's ready to do it right now. Timing. Oh man, we sound so spiritual talking about the timing of God. God's timing. Just waiting on God. Right. Amen. We can, we can sound so spiritual. But again, what we don't realize is we're still in, with all of that, we're still in the arena of general faith. Universal faith. You can find a whole bunch of folks that believe God can, uh, believe, believe that He will, and just not sure when, but, you know, when God win, and, and amen, you know. This woman said, if only I touch the hem of His garment. She ascribed no ifs to Him. You've got to see this, man. You've got to get a hold of this. She ascribed no ifs to Him. Had nothing to do with an if on His part. It was not if He, it was if I. There's so a whole bunch of people, if Jesus would only touch me, I would be healed. Right? If he would touch me. She didn't say if he would touch me. If I touch him. So there's a difference there, right? See, those who have the mindset, if only Jesus would touch me, I would be made well. That's general faith. That's general faith. If only Jesus would, if only Jesus would, I would be made well. The danger of this mindset, are you ready? Involves an underlying belief that Jesus needs to do something more than he's already done for you to be healed. Right? 
She didn't say, if Jesus anything. Her faith was, if I touch Him, I will be made well. Because He can, He's willing, and He's ready right now. It's all right here, right now before me. Notice, by settling the questions of ability, willingness, and readiness, she eliminated any room for doubt to creep in and contaminate her faith. The danger of this mindset that says, if only Jesus would touch me, I would be well, is the implying that Jesus needs to do something more than He's already done for you to be healed. Implied in this line of thinking then is things like, I'm therefore waiting for God to heal me. Which is another way of saying, I'd be healed by now if it weren't for Him and His delays. If God just hurry up and get it done. Notice now, we, <laughs> all this sounds so spiritual, but people, that kind of thinking, man, you are way off in the weeds, dude. I mean, you, you, are, you, you, you are over your head in confusion. Remember the little boy's dad, what he said to Jesus, Mark chapter 9, I put it up on the screen. And he often has, he often, Often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. You see the difference there? Did this dad have faith? Yeah. But it was general, right? It wasn't specific. If you can do anything. Notice now, what is he doing? He's trying to play on Jesus' emotions. Are you ready for this? Whether he realizes it or not, he's trying to manipulate Jesus and appeal to his pride by insinuating that, I don't think you can do it, Jesus. Show me what you got, Jesus. If you can do anything, Jesus. I've heard you can do stuff. If you can do anything, have a little, have a little mercy and compassion on my, on my son. Jesus said to him, if you can believe. See, this man was trying to put the if on Jesus. He was trying to ascribe the if to Jesus. Jesus said, hold on, dude, you're not gonna, you can't receive that way. Because you're going to receive by faith, right? You can't receive that way. It's not if I can do anything, it's if you can believe. And the man says, oh, uh, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, help my unbelief. Let me, if I could, counsel you tonight to be aware of any mindset that involves questioning God's ability, willingness, or readiness, and especially any mindset that questions His love, concern, or care for you. There's a lot of folks like those disciples. You don't care that we're perishing. You don't care that we're drowning. Just brought us out here to kill us all in the desert. 
just set us up to fail, just set us up to jerk the rug out from under us. My friend, that mindset, that mindset will not get you anywhere when it comes to receiving what Father has for you to receive. The woman with the issue of blood did not say, if Jesus, her faith said, if I. The general faith of the crowd said, I will touch him to see if Jesus will heal me. The specific faith of the woman said, I will touch Jesus if only I touch Him, I will be healed. Do you see the difference there? So let me try to simplify this for you. Faith that puts God after the if, if God, is a certain indicator of general faith. If God answers our prayers, if God comes through, if it is God's will, if it is God's timing. See, notice we're ascribing the ifs to Him. The absolute best any faith that puts God after the if can be is general faith. It can never be any more than general faith if it's if God. It could be less than that, but it can never be more than general universal faith if you put God after the if. Faith that puts I after the if, if I, is a certain indicator of specific faith. As demonstrated here, if I touch the hem of his garment, if I believe, if I do not doubt in my heart, if I confess, if I stand, if I dwell, if I set, if I give, if I love, if I am willing and obedient. Amen? So two different kinds of faith are demonstrated here. It was a general belief that motivated hundreds if not thousands of people to try to put a hand on Jesus that day. But it was specific faith, personal faith, that enabled this woman to receive. Let me finish right here. I got more on this, but 
Amen. We'll get to it soon, okay? Um, the Bible says in James chapter 1, I don't have it in my notes. Um, I believe it's verse 17. Let me look right quick. Praise God. James. Are you getting anything out of this? James 1 and 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation. King James Version says variableness or shadow of turning. Ascribing ifs to God is the same as trying to say that God holds the variables. Now let me try to explain to you what I mean by that. In a simple mathematical equation such as 1 plus x equals 1 is the constant x is the variable and the only way to know the answer is to know what x is. If x is 10, the answer is 11. If x is 5, the answer is 6. But the variable is different from the constant. Are you with me so far? When it comes to your life, God is the constant. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We hold the variables. There was enough faith in Jesus to heal every sick person that tried to get to Him in the streets that day. But we only have record of the one lady healed in the streets and then the little girl that was raised from the dead in Jairus' house. Now, there are folks that throw their hands up and they say things like, you never know about God, you know, sometimes God does, sometimes He doesn't, sometimes God will, sometimes He won't. You know, God works in mysterious ways and all this other stuff, right? And, and none of that's true. The truth is, the variables were in the hearts and hands of those people. Amen. The difference was not that Jesus, you know, chose to heal that woman and didn't choose to heal all the others. He, he didn't choose to heal her. He didn't make that decision. I mean, right there in the, in the moment, obviously. What is the variable between the woman who received and all the others who didn't? Her faith was different from theirs. Her faith was different from theirs. Her faith was specific and personal. Theirs was general and universal. They wanted to touch Jesus to see if Jesus, if Jesus would heal them. She said, if I touch him, I will be healed. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
Well, I know you're standing and I know it's time to go, but what does this tell us about the availability of healing? What does this tell us about the accessibility of healing? What, are you following? Here's what I'm saying here. Um, could it be that we don't even have to ask for healing? And we just believe we are? Amen. You say, boy, you're out in left field now, Pastor Mark. Am I? Am I? I don't think so. Father doesn't have all the healing cookies locked in a cabinet somewhere. He's got them spread out before you in the presence of your enemies saying, hey, just come help yourself. Come help yourself. We spread that table of food out in the foyer Sunday night. If you're at the front of the line, again, help yourself. Be respectful of the people at the back of the line, but help yourself. Can you imagine like somebody comes to the, you know, the macaroni and cheese. Well, somebody asked Pastor Mark if I could have some of this macaroni and cheese. While you're asking him, see if I can get some green beans too, please. No, man, it's like, it's... The table spread. Amen. Amen. A general belief that food's good is not going to fill your stomach either Sunday night. Looking at all that food on that table is not going to satisfy your hunger, right? You're going to have to get specific and personal. Or you're going to have to make some, right? You follow what I'm saying? You're going to have to put some on the plate. Father, you're good to us and we love you. Thank you for what you're helping us see and understand. Lord, there are men and women in this room right now. They need some answers from you, Father. And they, they needed them yesterday, and so they need them even more today. And I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is showing them how to go from a general belief that everything's going to work itself out in the end to a very specific and personal belief, Father. That, that you are able, willing, and ready. And you're not, the if's not on your side of this thing. The if's on ours. Fathers, we go our separate ways. I pray that everything we put our hands to today will prosper for your glory. I pray, Father, that, that, that you would just make us shine, Lord. Um, that, <laughs> Lord, that that our, our righteousness would just break forth before us, Lord. And that people would be drawn to you because they see our good works and they give testimony to a living God in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.